what this is. It's about relationships, skips, and slips. And that's the last time I'm going to say that because I about messed up and said something else last week when I tried to say that. It is a mouthful, so uh, we're just going to put it on the screen so you can read that. Um, but we're, we're going in the, we've been in this series, and we started talking about relationships last week. And we're going to continue that. It's kind of been the theme this weekend because we had our uh, marriage retreat down in St. Simons on Friday and Saturday. And so I'm going to piggyback off of some of what we talked about there. And just as we were going through that retreat, I already kind of knew what I was going to talk about this morning. And I was kind of like, yes, you know, they were talking about things. And then like, in, as they would say something, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. This is exactly kind of uh, fits into to where I wanted to go today. And so uh, I want to talk, uh, talk to you uh, in this next, uh, next part uh, about tension. Now, how many of you guys, you just have tension in your week sometimes? You know, how I many know tension sometimes we don't appreciate tension, okay? Right, tension is, is a bad thing, right? Not always, you're right. Tension's not always a bad thing. Tension, uh, if you start thinking about it, there are certain things that, you know, I'm not a fan of conflict, I'm not a fan of, of tension, but there are times when tension is a good thing and maybe even necessary. And just a few things, that I, a few areas that I want to point out of where tension is necessary. If you're a tightrope walker, tension is necessary. If you have too much slack, you know what they call that? Falling, <laughs> okay? So if you're a tightrope walker, you need tension. Tension is a good thing. If you are bungee jumping, I mean, you know, tension's a good thing. You don't want too much rope. You don't want too much slack there, right? You, you want to make sure that you get pulled back up, that there's tension somewhere in that line on that cord. If you're playing tug of war, right? It works off of tension. If you're flying a kite, I mean, you know, flying a kite, you need tension on the rope. How many you drove a car here this morning? How many of you know that your car works off of tension? Belts and pulleys and all those things are working together because if they're not working together, you know what you're doing? You're walking, okay? So uh, you need tension to be able to drive. Uh, when we have, now we have a bridge here in Savannah. Have you got a picture of that? We have a bridge here in Savannah. Now, now if you look at bridges, uh, we have, there, there are bridges around uh, the United States. We have suspension bridges. This is not a suspension bridge. This is a cable-stayed bridge. But both a suspension bridge and a cable-stayed bridge both work off of tension. I asked an engineer this morning. I said, if a cable-stayed bridge has slack in it, is that a bad thing? He looked at me and said, yeah, why are you asking? <laughs> All right? So he's <laughs> like, is there something that I should know? Okay? I don't know anything about any bridges around here. As, as far as I know, everything's working as they should, I think. Right? So tension is not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes tension is necessary. And so how does that work in relationships? You say, Pastor, that's great. It's fine for bridges and pulleys and belts and bungee cords, right? But how is that a good thing for relationships and specifically our marriages? And so if you're not married today, I don't want you to check out, oh, he's talking about some marriage message, and I'm going to check out on this. This is kind of across the board. This, this can fit uh, not just for marriages, but this can fit for a lot of relationships. So don't check out uh, if, if you're not married. But, but if you are married, I want you to hear this because you're going to have a relationship of tension if you're married. 
at some point, you're going to experience that. And actually, I'll just say this. If you're going to have any kind of relationship, most likely you're going to have some kind of tension somewhere in that relationship, right? We know that. We understand that with friendships. We understand that with uh, parenting. We understand that with uh, marriages. We understand that in our families. Sibling relationships. Come on, somebody. Sibling rivalries, right? So we understand there's going to be some kind of tension. So what do we do with the tension? How does that work? And so the first thing I want to just start out with is this. I just want to say pay attention to the tension, all right? (laughs) Pay attention to the tension. What is going on there, and and what does that look like? Now, this morning, uh, I'm going to invite my wife to come up, and she's she's going to bring a, a rope with her. Uh, if you ever had a, a tense car ride, anybody ever had a tense car ride? We've had a few of those. Okay, uh, used, they used to be when when I was on staff at a church in Jessup, and we would had Sunday night church. It would seem like the devil would just ride in a car with us on on the way to church on Sunday night because we would find something to bicker about, you know. And it's like then we'd get into church and praise Jesus, we're here, right? And so you know there was there would be tension there. Uh, we've had you've ever had a tense meeting where you have to have sit maybe a staff meeting or you know it's a business meeting some kind of tense meeting. Maybe you've had tense conversations around the dinner table. Come on, anybody been there? And so we understand that we've had those. We we know what that's like, and um, we want to help you today. See, there is nothing. Uh, can be more painful than a relationship that isn't working the right way, okay? Nothing can be more painful than that, but nothing can bring you more joy than a relationship that is working the right way, right? We understand this. It's kind of the the, the give and the take there. And So this morning, I just want to let you know, tension is part of life. Tension is part of relationships. Tension is a part of marriage and so we have to approach the tension in in a few different ways and a couple different ways that we approach tension so she's got a rope here and I knew she was going to say this when I pulled this rope out last night and I brought it in this morning I told her she was going to help me and as soon as she saw this rope I knew exactly what she was going to say she said this rope is dirty I don't want to touch this rope and I told her I said this is like marriage marriage is messy okay so so um so we have, we have our, our marriage here. This rope kind of represents our marriage. And we're going to put some tension on it here. And, and a few ways that we deal with the tension in marriage is this. The first way that we deal with tension in marriage is uh, sometimes we try to accommodate the other person to, to deal with the tension in, in marriage, right? We try to just accommodate them. We're not going to uh, not going to fight this, you know, or just kind of maybe you become more passive. And, and basically when we accommodate in, in the marriage to k- deal with the tension, basically what we do is we just kind of give over. I'm just going to give her the rope, right? Whatever you want, yes, ma'am, yes, dear. And that is not necessarily a bad thing, guys. You need to, need to learn how to say that. But sometimes that's not always a good thing to accommodate. Uh, sometimes you don't want to accommodate when it's it's not good behavior, right? Uh, when there are morally, uh, uh, you know, reprehensible things, maybe. You don't want to say, hey, I'm just going to accommodate that. If there's sin going on, you don't want to say, I just want to accommodate that. And so, but sometimes we do that. This is an approach that we have. We accommodate the tension by just giving over the rope. Sometimes we accommodate. Sometimes what we do with tension in the marriage is like, so there's tension here. You know, and there's something, man, we need to talk about. We know it. We understand. We're looking at each other, and we know there's something that we need to talk about. But sometimes people don't want to talk about it, right? How many of you ever been there? I don't want to talk about that. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. And so when, when you have tension in the marriage and you don't want to deal with it, you have accommodation, but then you have avoidance. And that's where we just drop it. 
and we just kind of go our own way, right? And what happens with that is that although you might have dropped that tense time of being together, you haven't solved the issue. You haven't addressed it. And so what could happen is actually it's probably going to get bigger down the road. It could probably get worse because you're not addressing it. And so we have these approaches. We try to accommodate the other person. We become passive. You know, well, I'm just going to do whatever you want to do, right? Or we avoid it. We go our own ways. and well, Let's just not talk about that. Kind of sweep it under the rug. And, you know, it's like if you, I get this mental picture in my head of this rug that's just got all this stuff underneath it, right? That's how I used to clean my room as a kid. Uh, my mom, she would say, clean your room up. And I would just push everything under the bed, right? And like stuff, there's toys like G.I. Joe's or fall out from underneath the bed I'm like if it's under the bedspread you can't see it she's like I can't see it it's right there you've just created a bigger mess you just slid it right and so we avoid it that's what avoidance does it just creates a bigger mess someplace else so we have accommodation we have avoidance then the last thing we see here um, is we have tension when we have tension in the marriage right and we have these things that we maybe don't want to talk about or don't know what to do with and there's tension there on the rope who's on the other end I'm at the end of my rope you're at the end of my rope and you're the frustration at the end of my rope right the other thing that we we do is this is when we don't accommodate when we don't avoid sometimes we attack and so that's where she was, she's, she's just, you know, <laughs> they just wrap you up, right? <laughs> I told her about this, and she got real kind of giddy this morning. She said, really? She said, you want me to do that? I said, yes. Not too tight. All right. <laughs> I'm done. All right. Yeah. So, so when we attack, we try to dominate the other person. We try to kind of, I'm just going to win this. This is what it's going to be. And we let them know how dumb they are, how stupid they're being. And you know what? You just grew up in a family that did dumb stuff. And so uh, my family's not dumb. This is how uh, it should be. And, this, you know, we just try to dominate the other person. It's a power struggle. Yeah, could you loosen it a little bit? Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whoo, there we go. All right. Thank you. Uh, and give her a hand. I'm Vanna White. So. So we, we have these approaches. We try to accommodate, we, we avoid things, uh, or, or we attack, right? Um, these are the ways that we can approach tension. And they're not helpful. These are not good ways to approach tension. Colossians, I want us to go to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 gives us some insight in how relationships can work. Uh, this is how to, to help them work better. Not just marriage relationships, but... You know, this is kind of where we're at today. It's where we've been this weekend talking about marriage. If you're married, this would this be a good one to kind of underline and mark out. Colossians chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 12. This is what it says. It says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another and if anyone has a complaint against another forgiving each other okay and i, I th this i'm reading this out of the esv but i go to the next one down myra because uh this i, I want to read this out of the new living translation next the next one now you should have should have two of them there uh the next uh, next one you see it next one down the one right underneath that there we go Anyways, this one, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it, okay, while they're trying to find it. Now, there we go. Right. Since God chose you to be holy people, he loves you. You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, 
kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That all sounds like stuff we, we think God would say, right? That sounds like something Jesus would say. Go to the next verse. Make allowances for each other's faults. Now, how many of you, you say, really? That doesn't sound very God-like. That doesn't sound very Jesus-like. We need to deal with the fault, right? We need to deal, you know, either we attack it, right? <laughs> There's a fault there. We need to deal with it. What, we, what, what God understands about us, and what I, I know our Lord understands about us is this, is that we've all got faults. You've got faults. I've got faults. I've got issues. I've got quirks. I've got things that I'm going to make mistakes on. You've got the same thing. And Colossians tells us, Apostle Paul writes this under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, make allowance Make an allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Next verse. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Now, this is difficult, right? See, Tension doesn't have to be a bad thing, though. Tension doesn't have to be a bad thing if we leverage it the right way. You can't eliminate tension, but you can leverage it. You can't eliminate the tension in any relationship. You can't eliminate the tension in a marriage, right? It's, there's going to be something there that's going to create tension. You might deal with one issue, but later on, there's going to be something that comes up, right? How many of you, if you're married and you say, that's true? Pastor, just just shake your head this way, right? You understand, right, uh, that we're, we're talking about what's true. You can't eliminate the tension, but you can leverage it. And when we talk about leveraging, what does that mean? That you can leverage tension in such a way where it becomes a good thing. And how do we do that? Tension is where we live. It's that when we pull that rope and there's tension there, what we're living in is that, that tense spot in between. It's the spot in between what's ideal, right, we have this ideal hit, uh, this picture of marriage and relationships in our mind, what's ideal, what the Bible says we should be, right? And then we have what's real, right? How many of you know that sometimes your marriage looks more real than it does ideal? Uh, as your pastor, my marriage looks more real a lot of times than what it does ideal a lot of times, right? And we understand that. And, and in between this place that we have between the ideal and the real, there's tension. There's a tension in the relationship. There's tension because there's things that we need to deal with. There's things we've got to address. And see, sometimes we feel guilty because we lean more real than we do ideal. I love Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a, is a book that's part of what's called wisdom literature. And wisdom literature, it, it just gives us instruction. We talked about Proverbs last week. Proverbs is wisdom literature. It's very practical. Right, And so this is what Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4, verse 12, this is what it says. You got that? I can turn to it. I've got it here. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. And it says, for two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, the one will help up as his fellow. But woe to him who is alone, for when he falls, he has no one to lift him up. Again, if two lie down, how can they keep warm? But one will. But how can one keep warm alone? And so it gets down to this last verse, verse twelve, and it says, "Though a man might prevail against one who is alone, with two will withstand him, 
a threefold cord is not quickly broken, right? I want you to get this idea of a threefold uh, cord. What is that? It's when you, when you take string, right? If you have one string, I say it, it has you know the ability to withstand some type of tension that it's probably going to snap. You put two strings together, you know that tension that it can withstand is a little bit greater. But they say the threefold cord is able to withstand not just um, not just you know it's like an exponential amount of tension that it's able to withstand. And when I think about that, I think about a threefold cord. I think about me and my wife. I think about together, you know, by myself, I, I'm, I'm a certain amount of strength. Together, we, we have a certain amount of strength. But when we add Jesus into the mix, when we add the Holy Spirit into the mix, and this is what it says, the, the truth of it says a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know, that there are, and, and I, I was looking at it last night, and you start looking at things like uh, the body, right? The body has things like tendons and ligaments, and, and I'm not a medical person. Many of you guys in the medical field, you understand this a lot better than I do. But tendons, when you think about a tendon, you start looking at a tendon, and basically it's this, it's like a rope. It's made, it, they, they're strands, and, and they, they twist together. And it, and it allows your bones to work. It allows your muscles to work. And there's this flex that happens, right? And so you can strengthen that as you put tension on that and release it. Put tension on that and release it. You can strengthen those, right? And so that's how our body is meant to work. And that's exactly what Colossians is talking about. When it says, hey, we're bound together. When we bind together in perfect harmony. When we come together and we're able to deal with the tension in the marriage. And so how do we leverage the tension? When we leverage the tension, when we say, hey, there's tension here. Let's not run away from it. Let's not attack each other with it. Let's not try to accommodate and and placate, you know, just do whatever you want to do. When we address it, when we come together and address it and we deal with the tension, there's three things that can happen. This is not an exhaustive list. But this, there's three things that can happen. The first thing is this. It stimulates growth. It stimulates growth. Tension can be a catalyst for personal and relational growth. Just because there's tension doesn't mean things are bad. Things are bad. Tension happens. Tension happens all over life, right? Tension's going to happen in your marriage. And I, used to, well, I think we used to think that when we first got married, we had this idea that's like, you know, we should never have conflict, and, and we're never supposed to fight, and if we fight, there's just something really bad, something really wrong. It's like what we found out was we're just human, and this is part of relationship, and this is part of us growing, and we have learned. We've, we've learned to deal with the tension, and we've had growth in our life. There's conflict that we've had together. Then there's conflict that we've had outside of our marriage. There's, there are things that, um, that we've had to deal with, chaos and problems, difficulty. We've dealt with death in our family, and so all that stuff went in to put tension on our relationship, but you know what? We came out on the other side, and we're stronger for it. We're stronger because we went through it, we dealt with it, we allowed God to work in our tension. We allowed God's word to work in us and, and work through us. And, and so when we do that, it stimulates growth. Uh, Janet Witter, who was with us this past weekend, she said something that just kind of it struck me when she said it. And this is what she said. She says, my spouse's weakness is an opportunity to build my character. My spouse's weakness is an opportunity to build my character. Now, usually I think my spouse's weakness is frustrating. It's irritating. It's painful. 
I wish you would deal with that, right? I wish you would get over this. But when she said that, I was like, that is true. It's us looking at what we're always going to have. We're always going to have issues, right? And this is what it's talking about when it says make allowances for each other's faults because that's the tension that we live in. And if we're able to do that, we're going to be able to grow as a person. We're going to be able to grow as a couple. We're going to be able to grow in relationship, whether it's marriage or some kind of other relationship that you have. Maybe it's parenting relationship, right? Um, That you're able to grow in this relationship because, hey, We see this, we understand this, you know what, it's an opportunity for me to grow, for me to mature. And so tension helps us when we leverage the tension, it stimulates growth. Second thing it does is this, is it strengthens communication. So it stimulates growth, it strengthens communication. Addressing tension requires open and honest communication. Come on somebody. We would rather go back to avoiding that, right? That's the whole thing. We, you know, we, we want to be honest at times, I think. Sometimes we say, do you really want me to be honest right now? <laughs> there have been times I wanted Raina just to lie to me. Don't tell me the truth. Don't tell me the truth. I want you to lie to me because I want to feel good. Uh, that if you tell me the truth, I won't feel good. And so, you know, sometimes marriage doesn't always make us happy. We think marriage is here to make us happy. Um, that's, that's not really what marriage is about. Not so you can just be happy all the time. It is so that we can grow. It is so that we can, uh, and, and Pastor Rich, this past weekend, he talked about that, so we can reflect God's love to the world. That's what marriage is meant to be, so that we can reflect God's love to the world, and it's so that we can grow and mature as people. That's what marriage does to us because it puts tension on us. It puts tension on us, and we've got to be able to look at these things and say, hey, this is, this is tough, but this is not just a frustration of her. This is not just a, uh, you know, a, a irritation of him. This is... This is an opportunity for me to grow as a person. And this is an opportunity for us to be open and honest. Couples who navigate tense situations together often develop stronger communication skills, learning to express their thoughts and feelings more effectively. So, so when we do this, we become better at communicating. We become better at saying, hey, this is what I'm feeling right now. This is where I'm coming from. And this, is, this may not be exactly what's happening, but this is what I feel right now. Right? That might not be what you intended, but this is how I feel with this, right? And so as we're able to address that, sometimes it, it, it grows us as people. It grows our communication skills. And I'm still growing in this. I'm still learning how to do this, right? And, and so it stimulates growth. It, it strengthens communication. The third thing it does is this, is it builds resilience. Successfully navigating tension can build resilience in a marriage. Couples who learn to overcome challenges together develop a stronger bond and a greater sense of partnership, which can help them weather future storms, right? How many of you look back on some of the things you used to fight about and say, oh, man, you know, you, maybe you still have arguments about stuff. Hopefully there's not the same things that you started out with, right? I've learned a few things. There are a few things I'm like, ah, I've been there. I've seen this movie before. I'm not going back down that road. I am not signing up for the sequel on that one, okay? And so, uh, you know, there, there are times it's just like, no, I've been there. I've done that. I want to learn from this. Hopefully that's what we're doing. We're learning from this. And so what it does is it sets us up to be more resilient. Hey, we've already accomplished. We've already conquered this. We've already conquered these mountains and these valleys that we've walked through. Look at where we've come from, right? 
Man, we need that. So many times, all we see is the problem that just presents itself to our, in our face. That's all we can see. We're just walking around. That's all we can see. We just see the problem. But if we're able to pull back and get perspective, and that problem may still be there, but then I begin to see all the successes that we've had too. Then I begin to see, yeah, we weathered that. Yeah, we came through that. Yeah, man, God healed us on this. Yeah, God helped us work through this. Yeah, we had a conversation about that. And yeah, we're still having a conversation about that. But it's, it's part of it where we're just learning, hey, these successes help build us stronger for whatever we're going to face in the future. And this is what tension does. Tension doesn't necessarily always have to be a bad thing in our life. Now, this is how I want to end this morning. Somebody can come play. We're going to end with communion. And you have communion elements right there on your seat. And I entitled this message, Tension at the Table, right? Tension at the Table. Because there's tension. We talk about, when we think about tension in relationships, we think about tension in marriages. We think about tension in parenting. We think about tension with our siblings, right? I think about tension at the table. I think about tension maybe at Thanksgiving, right? Anybody been there? Okay. And, uh, you know, things maybe that's not being addressed or, you know. And so we have these tension in our relationships and there's tension at the table. This, though, I think, is an example of how to deal with tension at the table. You want to talk about tension at the table? I want you to stand with me. I want to go to Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is what it says in verse 23. Paul writes this. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that on that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed on the night when he was betrayed anybody ever been betrayed did that create tension around your table on the night that he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he still even being even in betrayal he said God there's things I can thank you for even in the tension there's still things that I can thank you for he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's life until he comes. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't. It says, you proclaim the Lord's what? Death. Is death a tense topic? Does death create tension? I want you to think about this. I want you to think about that first last supper. That makes sense, right? That first time that they sat around and there was all this tension. Do you realize who Jesus invited to the table? He, he, invited, he invited his disciples even the one who is getting ready to betray him. And it tells us in John's Gospel that Jesus looks at him and says, go and do what you're going to do. Do it quickly. Right? You want to talk about a tense meal? Hey, one of you guys around the table is going to betray him. Who is it? I don't think they were just kicked back having a great time. I think there was just maybe a little bit of anxiety. Maybe there was some tense conversation. Who is this huge piece? It's probably that dude over there. And so I can imagine what that's like. 
when you think about what's going on around that table, there was tension at that table. But what does Jesus do? Jesus gives us life in us. Jesus makes an allowance for the people in, our, in his life that created tension. And he made an allowance for those who would betray him. You know what? He wasn't just betrayed by Judas. Do you know who else betrayed him? It was also Peter. So Jesus made an allowance for both Judas and Peter. He made an allowance for both people who were going to betray him. So there's enough grace and enough mercy to say, I forgive you. I'll show you what this looks like because this is, this is what this is. This is how we deal with tension. We can address it. We bring it to the Lord. So this morning, I don't know what your marriage look like. I don't know what kind of relationships you have in your family, what your relationship is with your parents or your kids. This morning I know that when we invite Jesus into the middle of this, it allows us to be stronger and it allows us to be people who deal with attention. So Lord, we come to you now. And I'm asking, Father, that you would prepare our hearts. Prepare our minds. Prepare us, Lord, to not just partake of something that is religious. We're not doing this because it's religious, Lord. We do this because we participate with you in your death. We remember your death. That we have fellowship with you in this suffering so that we can also participate with you in life. Lord, that's what, that's what we do here. Lord Jesus, you leveraged the tension. You leveraged the tension around that table. And what brought you death is eventually what gave us life. So, Lord, that's what we're asking, that we can do the same in our relationships, in our homes, in our marriages, on our jobs, Lord, in our families, in our parenting, that we can leverage the tension to find life, to find growth. So, Lord, we give you this name. We ask, Father, that you would prepare our hearts to, to do this this morning, Jesus. So I want you to take that little cup, and I want you to peel back the part that has the bread on it. Just pull that little piece of bread out. And it says that when Jesus took the bread, he broke it and gave thanks. So, Lord, we hold this little piece of bread up. We thank you. We thank you for your body. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you, Lord, that you came to touch our brokenness and to give us uh, life, Lord, through your death. And we ask, Lord, that through the brokenness of the bread, we're about to take, Lord, that we can just remember this and know that you are working not only in us spiritually, but you're working in us relationally. That's what we pray today in Jesus' name. Take that. Take that other side. Pull that layer back. It says he took the cup after supper in the same manner. He said, this is the meat of the was excruciating and painful for you. Once again, Lord, it's life for us. So we thank you. We hold this up and we give you thanks. Thank you, Lord, that you work in our pain, in our relational pain, the tension, the awkwardness, the awkward conversations. Lord, you step into every bit of that and you help us. You give us words. Your Holy Spirit empowers us to become the people that you're calling us to be. We know that we have the potential to be. So we 